Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you take them out and go to the book of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 12. And um, I have uh, been given about uh, 75 minutes to preach this morning, and I'm so so excited. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 is where we are uh, today. We'll look at verse 15 here in just a few moments, but before we dive into our text, I would like for us um, to just give a round of applause for the Supreme Court reversing Roe versus Wade. You know, never, never did I think that day would come, and especially after there was the, uh, the leak of the documents about a month ago, I just thought that there was going to be some changes made, and, uh, but sure enough, um, we've got people in the Supreme Court who are making godly decisions, um, which is good for everyone, and so we praise God for that, um, and that doesn't mean that we hate those who are against us, Amen. We don't do that, and uh, we don't despise them, none of that, but we just thank God for this decision. But, but also, I want to say, may there be a reminder to us that, that we just don't protect the unborn. Amen? We respect all ages and all stages. We believe in the value and the sanctity of life. Amen? Do you know why? Because in the very first book in the Bible, which is our standard, which is the standard that God has given us, it says this, that God created them male and female in his image. That's what God's word says. And therefore, we stand on God's word and we are protectors of the sanctity of life. But praise be to God for what took place um, this past week. But you will need to add the Supreme Court justices to your prayer list. Because I do want to say this, as believers in Christ Jesus, we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared what will come our way. Um, Somebody asked me this past week, they said, Pastor, do you think that we need to have um, uh, more security at our church on this coming Sunday. I said, don't worry, most of my people are packing, so it's okay. So, uh, uh, you know, praise God that uh, we are in the southeast. Praise God that we are, and let's just be honest, we are in a little bit of a bubble. Would you agree with that? And I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. But we do need to be praying for our other brothers and sisters in Christ who uh, today at this moment, there may be some protesters on the steps of their church. And those protesters are not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. And unfortunately, the devil uses humanity as pawns. And we need to pray for those. Pray for churches who are facing protests today, and we need to pray for those who, who have, um, have different opinions that do not line up with scriptures. Because what we're going to look at in here a few minutes in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, um, the first part of that verse says this, and this is so important for us, it says this, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. 
Nobody needs to come short of the grace of God. That includes those who stand against this judgment that the Supreme Court's made. And this, it goes for everybody. Nobody needs to fall short of the grace of God. Meaning, we as believers of Christ, it is our responsibility to tell people about Jesus. Because the gospel is the only thing that is going to change our world. This decision, although I'm grateful, I praise God for it, this decision will not change the direction of our country. It is a step in the right direction, amen? But until Jesus Christ reigns supreme in every heart in our nation, you know the direction of our nation, amen? Well, so be it. Praise be to God for the decision that uh, the Supreme Court made. Well, I just wanted to share that with you uh, this morning as we go into our uh, second part of our sermon series that we started last week, simply titled Overcomers. How do we live an overcoming life. I want to continue that, and we'll continue that theme throughout the rest of uh, this summer. But last week, we introduced this uh, series to you, and the theme verse is Romans 8, 37, and it's on uh, the screen behind me. And I want us to say this verse together. Let's say Romans 8, 37 together. Let's say it. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And that's our theme verse for this series. And other translations will say we are more than conquerors. The, the New Living Translation says this, overwhelming victory is ours. I love that translation. We as believers in Jesus Christ, according to God's word, scripture, his word tells us that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the victory that you have overwhelmingly conquered the things of this world. And if you remember last week, we looked at that word overwhelmingly conquer, and it is the Greek word, huperniko, which simply means this. It is above and beyond victorious. So when Scripture says that we are victorious, it is not saying that we have won by the skin of our teeth. It doesn't mean that we made a last second shot to win. No, it means that we are super victorious, that it is a lopsided victory. You and I as believers in Jesus Christ, we walk this life from the point of victory, not defeat. We are victorious. That's what scripture says. But also this word, it also means this, that this victory is physically manifested in your life. Now, that's a key thought when it comes to being more than conquerors. When you and I are more than conquerors, it means this, it is physically manifested in your life, meaning we see the victory in your life. You were walking in this direction, now that you became a believer in Jesus Christ, you are victorious, and now you walk in a different direction. You once were an addict, and now you are clean. You once followed the ways of the Lord, uh, of the world, and now you follow the ways of Jesus Christ. There is a physical manifestation station of the victory in your life. And that's the whole theme behind this series, that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, that we would no longer walk in chains, we would no longer be bound in darkness, but, whether we, but rather we would walk in the victory that is already ours. Amen? Is anybody with me this morning? You want me to redo that whole introduction? <laughs> Last week we talked about uh, overcoming boredom. Many of you were bored last week, and so I thought I would change the title this week. So today, I want to talk to you about 
Overcoming bitterness. Overcoming bitterness. Is anybody here today, or maybe you're listening online, has anybody ever wrestled with being bitter? I think we all can raise our hands on that one. Overcoming bitterness. Well, what is bitterness? This is bitterness, and this is my definition. Bitterness is a hurt that turns into anger, hostility, and resentment. And it is a hurt that has never been dealt with. Bitterness. Bitterness. A hurt that turns into anger, hostility, and resentment, and something that has never been dealt with. Let me give you an example of this before we look at our text. This past week, uh, my family, we went to hot Atlanta. Um, I had a meeting with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and during the evening time, we had some free time. So my family, we went to watch uh, the Atlanta Braves play the San Francisco Giants. It was a beautiful, it was a beautiful night for, uh, it was a beautiful night for a game, except for we had this one obnoxious guy sitting in front of us. Do you ever go to a baseball game and you, the wave gets started, right? Do you realize in a crowd of 40,000 people that there is somebody that really starts the wave? Oh, I found the guy. <laughs> yeah, right there in front of us. And uh, anyways, um, it, it was a great game. It was a very, very close game. Uh, family and I, we were having a good time, enjoying it, enjoying the weather, pretzel, uh, popcorn, um, just, just a nice evening, enjoying it. We get to the seventh inning, and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, my daughter, Abigail, she gave me permission to tell this story. She looks over to Angela and I, and she has a look on her face. And it's not of joy. It is an angry look. She looks down at us, and she points her finger at us. This is the seventh inning. It's been great. The seventh inning, she leans over and looks at us and says, we're not leaving early tonight. Okay. Angela and I are like, what? It was a close game. We had no intentions of leaving, leaving early, you know? And we're like, what? Abigail, what are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? She said this. She, she's getting angry. You think she is this calm, gentle girl. <laughs> well, that night, she wasn't. And so she... We're like, what are you talking about? And she looks at us, her finger is shaking. She says, the last time we came to the game, two years ago. <laughs> she said, last time we came to the game, Dad, you, you said we need to leave the game early so we can beat traffic. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm that guy on the Don't Be Your Parents commercial. The, the, you, you, you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I'm that guy now. Let's leave early. She's like, we left early to beat traffic, and we got outside the stadium, and she's getting, she's getting angry. You see it on her face. We left early. We got outside the stadium, and the, and the Braves scored a lot of runs, and, and the stadium erupted, and, and we didn't get to see what happened, and the Braves won, and we're not leaving early. <laughs> Praise God I'm preaching on bitterness this morning. Amen? <laughs> I said, thank you for a perfect illustration. Bitterness. Something that you hold on to. Are you with me? Something that you hold on to and you never deal 
with it. You never, you never let it go. Bitterness. Something's happened to you. Something's happened to you. Life. Life hasn't worked out the way you thought it should. Something happened in your life and, and it hurt you. Bitterness. Maybe, maybe you feel hurt by God. You think God did something to you. Or maybe you're bitter at, at society, the way the world is going. Or, 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 or we all know right now there's a lot of bitter people in the world regarding the Supreme Court decision. We, we see it. We, we see this bitterness where, where you're hurt. And, and many people, we, we hurt one another. We hurt our family. We, there may be bitter husbands. There may be bitter spouses. And, and I will tell you this, too many times I have seen within marriages, I have seen the better half become the bitter half. Are you with me this morning? It's bitterness. Well, why is there so much bitterness in our world? Why is there so much bitterness? There's so much bitterness because there is a lot of hurt in our world. And you know the saying, hurt people hurt people. Well, what does God's word say about bitterness? As believers in Jesus Christ, who we've all wrestled with it. And the reality is, We've contributed to other people's bitterness. And others have contributed to our bitterness. But what does God's word say? What does God's word say about bitterness? Well, look with me in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know who the author is of Hebrews. We're not, we're not sure. But we know that the writer of Hebrews is writing to believers in Christ Jesus. We know that the writer of Hebrews is writing, is writing to a people who are being persecuted. They're being persecuted by a government that, that does not believe they do, who does not love their God, loves other gods. And, and so this group of people that the writer is writing to, they're struggling. And they want to leave and go back to the law. But, but the writer says, no, 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 you persevere. You persevere and you need to overcome bitterness. Watch this, verse number 15, verse number 15. And it reads, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. Let me share a couple of things with you this morning that I want to end up by giving you some application on how we can overcome bitterness. Number one, the first thing I want you to see within our text is this. Bitterness is an underground sin. Bitterness is an underground sin. Look at that phrase, root of bitterness. Where do you find a root? Not an underground, Right? You find it underground, and, and roots are, are typically hidden. You don't see a root until you start, what, digging. Why? Because the root is underground. And, and I can tell you this, in my 20-plus years in the ministry, not one time that I can remember have I had a person come up to me and say, you know, Pastor, I figured out what's, problem, what's my problem. I'm just a bitter person. I, I, I don't, I've never... That I can, I've never had somebody say, you know, I, Pastor, I'm just a bitter, bitter person. 
But here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've experienced, and you've experienced it as well. Here's what I know about bitter people. They are great at disguising their bitterness. They're great at disguising their bitterness. But you and I can see their fruits. But they would know, oh, I'm not bitter. But, but here's what we see within bitter people. Um, they can be hypersensitive. They are hypercritical. They are easily offended. Often ungrateful. They're insincere. They, they hold grudges. One pastor said it this way. A root is hidden beneath the ground, but it feeds the entire plant. Isn't that good? It feeds the entire plant. And so the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up. That phrase, see to it, in Greek, it's the Greek word episkopai, from which you and I, we get our English word episcopal, and it literally means an overseer. And so when the writer of Hebrews says to us, believers in Christ, he says, he says you see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, and you see to it that no root of bitterness springs up. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying to believers is this, you are the overseer of your spirit. You are the overseer of your soul. So how does a root get into the ground? A root gets into the ground because a seed has been planted in the soil, right? And so what the writer is saying is this, you are responsible for the seed that you put in your soil. Meaning you can put the seed of bitterness in your life or you can keep the seed of bitterness out of your life. But the writer, is saying, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you see to it. It is your personal responsibility to make sure that bitterness does not rise up in your life. Meaning it's nobody else's fault if you're bitter. It's your fault. That's what he says. We live in a day today that wants to put the blame on everybody else and something else. Amen? It's always this. It's always this. Da, 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 da. The Bible says, no, it's your fault. If you have bitterness, it's because you put the seed there. It's because you put the seed there and you never dealt with it. And so the writer of Hebrews says this, it's your responsibility that you take care that no root of bitterness ever springs up within you. Are you with me? Are you saying, uh-oh? You want me to talk about somebody else? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Well, here's the second thing I want you to see in our text. Not only... Is bitterness an underground sin? Let's look at the fruit. The fruit of bitterness, it will cause trouble in you and trouble through you. It will cause trouble in you and it will also cause trouble through you. Look back at our verse. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble in you, and by it many are defiled. Do you see what the author is saying here? He's saying the root of bitterness, it doesn't just affect you. It affects those around you. This is why in the New Testament, one of the most commonly used adjectives for the church of Christ, the body of Christ, it's the word unity. Unity. 
The bride of Christ, the church, is to be unified, that there's to be no bitterness within the body of Christ. Why? Because if one of you is bitter, what happens? You begin to spread that bitterness all around to those around you. Are you with me? Have you ever experienced that before? We all have, right? And so bitterness, it doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody else. But here's four areas. You want to write this down? I don't have this on the screen, but... Bitterness will hurt you in four areas of your life. Number one, it will hurt you physically. Doctors have continually shown that anger and resentment, it damages your health. Are you with me? It will hurt you physically. It will hurt you physically. Number two, it will hurt you emotionally. It will hurt you emotionally. Bitterness, when you are bitter, when you harbor anger and resentment towards someone, your spouse, uh, your children, a friend, a boss, or even God, here's what happens. You are enslaved to the one whom you are angry with. That person then controls you. You're angry. You can't enjoy work because you think about what that person said. You can't enjoy vacation because of what that person said. I mean, true story, several, several years ago, uh, my family and I, we went to Disney World for vacation. It is not the happiest place on the earth. We were at Animal Kingdom, about to ride Mount Everest. Great ride. Love it. We're standing in line. My phone rings. My wife says, don't answer it. I answered it. She became bitter. It was, she became bitter at me. Well, I answered it, and... The person on the other end of the line did not say, hey, pastor, do you have a second to talk? They just laid into me. They just let me have it. Over a decision I made with other people, and then they said, you need to take care of that decision right now. Well, I did not enjoy the rest of my vacation, right? Because I allowed that One, I answered the phone. Don't answer the phone on vacation. Don't call me on vacation. But bitterness hurts you emotionally. And it drags you down. We've all been there, right? When you have that, when you have that conversation with that person in your mind, you ever have those conversations? Oh, if I see them, I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to get them, I'm going to get them, right? And then when you see that person, hey, how you doing? Oh, it's so good to see you. Bitterness hurts you physically, it hurts you emotionally. Number three, it will hurt you spiritually. You want to damage the spiritual vitality of your life in a heartbeat, and you get bitter at somebody. You go to bed angry. You don't deal with the hurt. And I promise you, I promise you, your spiritual life will then begin to deteriorate. It will lead to deadness. Look look at the verse previous to verse number 15. Look at verse 14, Hebrews 12, verse 14. Look at this. The writer of Hebrews says this, pursue peace with only a few people. Do you see that? It says, pursue peace with all men. That includes women. It's all humanity. And the sanctification, another word, is holiness. 
Sanctification is, is becoming holy. And so the writer of Hebrews says, listen, listen, instead of bitterness, you pursue peace with all men and you seek holiness. Peace with all people, you seek holiness because if you don't have those two, what does it say? Read, read it. What does it say? You won't see the Lord. I mean, if, if this is going on with men and there's no holiness in your personal life, the writer of Hebrews says this, you won't see the Lord. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want somebody to get in my way of being in the presence of God. I don't want that. But so many times we allow that to happen. And we go, God, why am I just so spiritually dry? Bitterness. Because I'm angry. Because I'm hurt. Because I haven't resolved the issue. So bitterness, it will, it will cause trouble within you. And it causes trouble through you. The four areas, physical, emotional, spiritual, and the last one is relational. Physical, emotional, spiritual, and relational. Man, I got so much time this morning. I don't have to cut out anything that I have put down in my notes. Praise God, one of you said amen. <laughs> turn to this great passage with me. Turn, turn over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Go there with me. I want to show this to you. I didn't know if I was going to get to show this or not, but... Um, but this is, look at Ephesians 4.31. I want you to watch. I want you to look at this text, and it's on the screen behind me as well. But look at this text, and I want you to see, I want you to see the, the progression of trouble. Okay? I want you to see how it starts and then what it progresses to. Okay? Because we're talking about how bitterness causes trouble within you. And it, causes bitter, and it causes trouble through you. Look at what Paul says. He's writing to believers. Watch the progression. He says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, let it be put away from you along with all malice. Look at the progression. He begins with bitterness. We've already talked about that bitterness. It's a hurt that you have not dealt with. You're angry at a spouse, a child, a friend. You're angry at God. Uh, Paul says, let, let it, put it away. But he says bitterness. Then he says wrath. That Greek word for wrath, it literally means hotness. That you... that. Whenever you know this, whenever you get angry or, or, or where you get wrathful, you, the, there's, a, there's a slow burn within you. Does that make sense? You see the progression. Bitterness moves to wrath, then it moves to anger. Paul says, bitterness, wrath, and anger, the Greek, the way it's used here in verse 31, it implies an explosive anger. This is when you blow your top because you're holding it in. Bitter, you start burning up inside, you get angry, and it's explosive. The next word that Paul uses is the word clamor, which means you make a loud noise. This means your tongue has been loosed, and this is when you begin a, a verbal shouting match with somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Bitterness, anger, wrath, boiling up, you explode, and you out things out and you say things you know you should not say 
And then look at the next word he says, and slander. Now it's not a shouting match. Now all you're doing is calling each other names. In the Greek, that word slander, you know, you know what our English word we get from it is? Social media. <laughs> it's become a shouting match and you're calling people names. I want you to write this down. It is never the will of God to have a bitter spirit. It is never the will of God to have a bitter spirit towards anybody. It is never the will of God to have a bitter, unforgiving spirit. You and I cannot defend an unforgiving spirit in Scripture. Well, what about this? What about this? What about all the things that have happened in your life? What, 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 about, what about abuse? What about, what about emotional? What about physical? What about sexual? What about, what about all this hurt? Here, here's the reality, and abuse is real, amen? It is real. It is, it's painful. It is costly. But the Bible never puts parameters on who you are to forgive. Are you with me? It simply says what? Forgive. Does it mean it's easy? No, it doesn't mean it's easy. But all throughout scripture, we see, we see men and women in the scripture who faced horrible circumstances yet they chose to never be bitter. Now, let me give you a couple. Write this name down. Job. You know the story of Job, right? You know the story. He was one of the most powerful, most famous men of the Middle East during his time, a wealthy man, but you remember this, and in one day he literally lost what? Everything but a nagging wife. Oh, my Lord. He lost everything, didn't he? He lost his sons and his daughters. He lost his livestock. And then he, and then he received a, a disease of the body. Everything went wrong in his life. There's at least one person in the Bible who could have chosen to be bitter, and you go, yeah, I understand. Who is it? Job. But look, go to Job chapter 1. Go to Job chapter 1. Y'all still with me this morning? Look, oh, look at these words. Job chapter 1 verses 20 through 22. Look at what Job, look at what it says. He's lost everything. Everything's gone. Everything he's worked for, he has every reason to be bitter. Then look at verse 20. Then Job arose, he tore his robe and he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and he cursed God. No. He worshiped. He worshiped. 
And he said, naked I come from my mother's womb and naked I will return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. You see it? Nor did he blame God. Folks, it is not the character of a believer in Jesus Christ to harbor a bitter spirit, but it is the character of a believer in Jesus Christ that when bad things happen that you don't understand, when people turn against you, when they hurt you, it is the characteristic trait of a believer to turn and fall on the face and worship Jesus Christ. The antidote to any bitterness is worship. The antidote to bitterness is to get your eyes off of man and to get it on to the son of man. That's the antidote to bitterness. As you turn your face, change directions. Job had every reason, had every reason to blame God, but he didn't. And he gives us the example how we should respond when hurt comes our way. Let me give you another one. You may not know this one as, as much as Job, but, uh, but it's uh, the prophet Habakkuk. Everybody say that with me, Habakkuk. You may know anything about Habakkuk? Yeah, me neither, but that's okay. We're going to talk about him. Look at, look at the book of Habakkuk. All right, it's on page 1126 in my Bible to help you out. It's in between Psalms and the New Testament. You'll figure it out from there. But uh, Habakkuk, it's a short book, three chapters. Um, and when you read it, the whole book can be summarized in one word. Why? Why? Why, God? Why is this happening? You see, when you, when you read the book of Habakkuk, here's what you realize. In the book of Habakkuk, God's people, the nation, was being overrun by people who hated their God. Does that make sense? Their nation was being overrun by a group of people who hated the God, Jehovah, Yahweh. They hated God. And so this group of people is turning the nation. They are devastating uh, the country. Uh, They were brutal. They were tearing every godly thing down because they hated God. And here's Habakkuk the prophet. He says, God, I don't know what to do. Why is this happening? And, he, and for the first two chapters, he's just going, why, God, why, 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 why is this going on? God, I'm really, really hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to being bitter, God, but, but what is going on? Why? But in between chapter 2 and chapter 3, something happens. In between chapter 2 and chapter 3, Habakkuk turns from being bitter to blessing God, from doubting to shouting, from worrying to worship. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. It's a famous passage. You've read it before, but listen to this. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, I will choose to be bitter. I will choose to hold God 
in anger. No, he says, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet, and he makes me walk on the high places. What that means is this. Even though you don't see the fruit, even though everything is going wrong, you can still have victory. And it says that God Our shepherd, he causes us to walk on the high places, which means this, he causes you to walk above and beyond all the evil in the world. You can choose not to be bitter. And you can choose to turn your doubting into shouting. Wow. Isn't that good? Okay, thank you. Am I connecting with you this morning? Let me share with you as we close. Let me share with you five ways, that, the very practical ways that you can overcome bitterness in your life. And I want to use the word trust as an acronym to help us through bitterness. Because how do you overcome bitterness? You simply put your trust in Jesus Christ. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. The letter T stands for this. Tell God everything. Tell God how you feel. Tell God how you feel. This is where you start. Whenever you have been hurt, whenever something has happened to you, whenever you feel pain, here's what you need to do. Tell God how you feel. Don't tell him how you think you ought to feel or don't tell him what the right way to feel is, but you, you tell him how you actually feel. Um, since March the 10th of this year when I was diagnosed I began journaling. I've journaled periodically throughout my spiritual life, but none as much as I have since March 10th and with as much intensity. And I can tell you that a great majority of my journaling posts are right here. I'm telling God everything. And a lot of it will will, will say something like this, God, I don't like this. Um, I didn't sign up for this, God. I don't, why, why? God, I don't, I don't, I don't get this, Lord. And I, and I write out my, my, my frustrations. I write out my feelings. And I tell him how I feel. And here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've discovered as I've written those out. And as the tears fall and it stains my journal, I hear a still, small voice that says this, I can handle it. Time and time again, I've heard the Lord say, my shoulders are big enough for your concerns. And he says, tell me, moms and dads, Isn't it a great moment when your son or your daughter will come to you and they will tell you exactly how they feel? Meaning they actually speak to you? They actually communicate? Instead of you saying, tell me! And you ask all these leading questions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look, we're, we're sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. Sit in his lap and you tell him. You tell him exactly what is going on. You tell him exactly how you feel. Then the letter R is this, 
then you resist the temptation to become bitter. You have to resist the temptation to become bitter. It's okay to tell God you're mad, you're sad, you're angry, depressed, but you do not let that seed take root in your life. Does that make sense? You have to resist the urge to become bitter at the hurt. And this is a test of faith. Any temptation is a test of faith. When you resist temptation, it is testing your faith. Will you trust God for everything that's going on in your life? Will you trust him and refuse and resist to get, to get, to get, to get bitter? Will you say, I'm not going to go there because God, I trust you. I'm telling you how I feel and I'm not gonna, go, I'm not gonna be bitter. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust you God, I don't understand, I don't see the big picture, I can't comprehend it, but I'm going to trust you and I'm not going to become bitter. I'm not going to allow that to hurt me physically, emotionally, spiritually, or relationally. I'm not going to do it, I'm going to trust you. You're a big God and I'm going to trust you. So how do you overcome temptation? How do you overcome temptation? You tell God what's going on. You resist the urge to be bitter and then the letter U stands for this. Let us help you. Us being fellow believers in Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews, the phrase let us is used over 14 times. Meaning, the author has community in view. That we are actually stronger together. And whenever you have bitterness and resentment and anger, let us help you. Seek biblical counseling. Counseling is not, it can get a bad rap. It's not the case. Seek biblical counsel if you need it. Seek, um, seek help. Be a part of a support group. Be a part of a small group. This, this past week, um, I had another doctor's appointment. And uh, my doctor recommended me participating in a support group. Um, and can I tell you something? When she said that, everything in me revolted against that. I got, I got mad and I started to burn inside. <laughs> um, then after I calmed down and thought through all some things, you know, I, I came to the conclusion that, you know, she, she's, she's right. You know why? We can't do this on our own. You can't do it on your own. It's not the way God designed you. Men, he didn't design us to do it alone. And we, we, we need help. It's okay to ask for help. If you're hurt, if you've been abused, there's resentment, Seek help. Let us help you. So tell God everything. Resist the urge to be bitter. Let us help you. The letter S, surrender the control of the situation to God. You got to let it go and let God be in control. In a great passage in John chapter 15, Jesus tells this story. And he tells this story <clears throat> And he tells the truth about who he is and who the Father is. And he says this in John 15, 1. He says, I, Jesus, am the true vine, 
and my father is the vine dresser. And here's a question for you. Y'all still with me? Y'all hanging? <clears throat> what in the world is a vine dresser? <laughs> we don't use that language. What's a vine dresser? Well, a vine dresser in those days, in this story, in this truth that Jesus has wanted to teach us, a vine dresser is one who oversees the vineyard. You get the picture? One who oversees the vineyard. So Jesus says about God the Father, he oversees the vineyard. Well, what's the vineyard? It's our life. It's the world. And God the Father oversees that. And so what that means is this. God is in complete control of everything that happens. Listen, everything, I want you to listen to, listen to me carefully on this one because this, gosh, this is something that I've been wrestling with and processing over the past several months. And, and, and I'm, but, it's, but it's the truth. Catch this. Everything that happens to you, before it happens to you, it first goes through God's hands. Before something happens to you, it first goes through the hands of the Father, the vine dresser, the one who oversees the vineyard. God knows, and He's in control, and God is able to take care of any situation. Amen? And here's the last thing, and we'll be done. The letter T, it's turn to forgiveness. How do we overcome bitterness? Tell God everything. Resist the temptation to be bitter. Let us help you. Surrender control. And the last one is, you've got to forgive. The disciples asked Jesus, how many times shall we forgive? What did Jesus say? He said something with a lot of sevens. That's all I remember, right? What was his point? You always forgive. Well, what if they really, really, really hurt me? Forgive. But what if, well, what if they really, what if they really purposely, intentionally, maliciously, what if they, what if they took something from me? Forgive. But, 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 but you, you don't understand, you don't know the hurt. And, I, and you're right, I may not know the hurt. I don't, I don't fully understand everything, but I know the one who does know your hurt. And he wants you to forgive. And so, we forgive. I know in a group of people this size, there may be some bitterness in your life. You can be bitter towards your spouse, children, grandchildren, co-worker, friend, your pastor. Huh. Well, let's just be real, right? Let's be honest. We got to put it down. And we need to walk in unity and walk in forgiveness. You know why we forgive? It's because Jesus Christ first forgave us. How selfish and ungodly it would be for us not to forgive somebody else. Amen? Forgive. Forgive. And overcome.
bitterness. Let's pray. Father, Father, we love you. And we say thank you for your forgiveness that you offer us. And Father, I pray today that if there's any bitterness within us that we would that we'd be brave enough and bold enough, be courageous enough to let it go, to work through the situation and let you do the miraculous, to let you do the impossible. May it become a him possible. And Father, I pray that when the root of bitterness is dug up and is no longer here, that you would bring revival. And that the spirit of the living God would move freely among us and through us. God, thank you for who you are. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If there's somebody here this morning where you've never ultimately given your life to Christ and received his forgiveness, today's that opportunity for you to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You know, he died on the cross for you, taking your sin upon his shoulders. He paid the penalty of your sin, which was death, all because he says, I love you and I forgive you. But you got to come to him. Will you surrender your life to him today? Father, have your way with us now in Jesus' name. Amen.